Hi, everyone. Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast with your host, Andrada Anizzi. Today we have with us Kyle Crook, who is the owner of kylecrook.com and have launched uh, a small creative project called Your Motivation Mission. And I was amazed to find it on his website as a free download source. So if you just, you know, go to his website, you can grab it and motivate yourself for 31 days in a row, because that was actually the purpose of this book. Um, and here we come, you know, to, to actually the purpose of his life, which is making an impact uh, on other people, one person at a time, I think. Um, but, you know, as I like to always do this uh, in the beginning of the show, I would like to say hi to Kyle, first of all. Hello, hello. Nice to have you, Kyle. Tell me, please, the first question that I like to address my, um, my guest is, how do you feel about the power of choice? Uh, so when I, when I kind of think of the, the power of choice, I look through it as um, a lens of kind of really extreme ownership and then self-empowerment. So I think the power of choice is incredibly powerful in the word power of choice, but I think it's something that's, that's needed in order to first take ownership of your life, of your circumstance, of how you both respond to external circumstance and second, how you make your own choices and make your own actions. And then with that ownership, you'll be able to empower yourself in order to align your actions and align every step you take along your journey. You can align it with your, with your vision that you have in mind. So I think with your ownership and your empowerment, with your power of choice, you gain a clarity and vision and then you gain a clear roadmap in how to execute that vision. So I think the power of choice is needed in order to really live a life that will allow you to fulfill not only your own journey and your own mission, but also to help out, help out others along the way. So I don't think there, you can emphasize enough just how, you know, how important the power of choice is. That's awesome. And you mentioned, you mentioned the vision. Uh, that's another very interesting concept. Um, tell us a, a bit about your vision about this book. Uh, I know that you have another book coming up. Uh, so I would like you to tell us a bit, first of all, about the vision and then what's going on with the other book. What's Perfect. the story behind that other book? Perfect. Yeah. So the motivation mission ebook that you referenced is a free download just to help inspire people with a daily testimonial for a month in order to kind of reframe their perspective for the day and allow them to tackle their obstacles, tackle their challenges and a little bit of a uh, better mindset. And then so with that, I wanted to write a, a full book um, on a topic that uh, that, you know, kind of came to me naturally because in high school, I told myself that I need to write a book before the day I die. So I went ahead and for the last couple of years, I've seen with Gallup surveys and other information sources, just how um, low the levels of engagement are in the workplace. It was like 15% of global workers, 25% of US workers feel engaged in their work. And to me, that was really alarming because you're spending so much time at the office or, you know, in your home office, wherever you do your work, you know, performing and spending so much time uh, and energy to that. If you're not engaged, if you're not feeling fulfilled, then what's the point, right? So I, so in my book, 
Um, I'm going to be releasing it in a couple months now. It really tackles, first of all, why engagement in your work is so important. And then second, why engagement in other parts of your life is so important. So like your personal life and your social life. So in my book, I, I set it up where you have a kind of mission, a vision up top of what you want. And then from that, that cascades is the three different parts of your life, your professional life, your personal life, and your social life. And then I break those down into different elements within each. And then at the foundation of everything is your purpose um, in each of your actions and activities, your passions and your persistence. Because consistency is key, right? So if you exercise, you know, these different, these different traits and characteristics every day, it'll help you align within your, you know, kind of professional, personal, and social life, and it'll all drive your mission forward. So I really break down and give a lot of visual examples, and I have a little methodology for helping people engage their work, their personal lives, or their social lives in a much more impactful way. A lot of people look at the term work-life balance, and they think, okay, you know, I'm working nine to five, and then I can do X, Y, and Z. I don't really look at life as a work-life balance. I look at it as life, and it's a harmonious life. You prioritize and you fit everything into it. So one day, work needs to get put on the back burner because something comes up in your personal life, and that's fine. You don't need to feel guilty or bad about that. That happens. And then the next day, you may put in a couple more hours at work. You may have to miss you know, a child's soccer game or miss something like that, and it's just kind of an ebb and flow of your life. So with the book, my vision behind it is just to first – inform people of these different components of life and how important it is to integrate them and not to isolate them. And then the second, um, you know, kind of vision behind it is really to reach out on a global scale and have people understand just how important engagement is for not only themselves, but also in the book, identify how important it is for their own families, their own friends, and how to engage other people as well. Because when you engage others, you're able to create synergies that are completely you know, completely new. It's outside yourself. It's in community with others. So overall, the two visions for the book is one, just to bring information and awareness of the importance of leading a holistic, engaged life. And then the second is to hopefully bring it on a global scale so that it'll allow people to get in community with others and to really uh, realize synergies that they, you know, didn't know existed before. So that was a, a, a very long response, but that's what I hope to achieve with with my book. But that's very interesting. And I'm actually intrigued because I was just talking to someone and see how synchronicity actually, actually works. Um, in the morning, I was talking to someone about precisely about this concept. Um, um, most specifically about work-life balance, you know, and she told me the exact same thing that people see it, um, in a misinterpreted way. And now you come in with the same exact explanation, how we should actually integrate all of them um, in order for us to have a, actually to ex achieve that balance, you know, and to, to um, live a fulfilled life. And plus I do love the vision behind your book because you're going to make a great impact on, on the world with it. And that's for sure, because I, I see more and more people seeking for this kind of guidance. Um, and, um, you know, all, I have sessions with, with my coach, with my, my own coach, and we're working towards this um, as well, because I've witnessed myself as, 
and at times I was, I felt guilty of the fact that on Sundays when I set, you know, the intention to be the day when I relax in, um, I would be working for instance on writing a book or something like that. Um, but then she comes and says, but that's okay. You have to accept it. And it's, it's really interesting to find someone from the opposite pole of the world saying the exact same thing. So we definitely resonate. I mean, people definitely need this kind of guidance. So I need to congratulate you for, for, you know, taking the venture of writing this book and to, to specifically guide it towards workplace, towards, you know, people that, that go to work, um, if I remember well, you said 25% of the population. Um, so we have 15, it's 15% globally, and then it was 25% in the U.S. The, this was back in like October 2017. Mm-hmm. So maybe the numbers have changed a little bit, but it's still, I'm sure, overwhelmingly, majority of people worldwide are just not engaged in their, in their work. And that's, that's definitely alarming. I mean, <clears throat> half of the population does something that they, they hate. Right. I'm not sure if if hate is the proper word, but I know that we start going to work like, I don't know, like robots, which is which is weird. We're just going there to, you know, earn some money to put something on the table to wake up the next day and just do the same thing repetitively. And then we definitely lose the, you know, the enjoyment of life. Um, And how did you come to this? How did you come to to write this book? What happened? What, what's the story behind the story? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I did mention kind of, kind of quickly earlier in, in, in high school, I sort of, I started writing um, some motivational texts to my friends. I started writing some poetry. I started writing some short essays just on different topics that interested me. And then so I developed a, um, an interest and a skill set in writing. So then I was like, well, you know what? I, I think I you know, can impact you know, a bunch of people, hopefully one day with my writing. So that's where I said my pact said, hey, you know, before the day you die, you need to write a book and have it out there. So I wanted, so I, you know, took a few years. I wasn't really writing and kind of put it on the back burner. And then kind of being out of here in the work world myself, I really enjoy what I do day by day as a consultant. But what I realized is some people that I talked to is that they, they had um, you know, a lot of regrets. They were people who were kind of, you know, 40, 50 or, or 60. So about 20, 30 years, my seniors. And I could just tell by talking to them in interaction that they had a lot of regrets and they wish they had done this or that, or that they had, lit, you know, done their, done their work a, a, a little bit differently. And so I was thinking, all right, so clearly they have some regrets and how they, um, you know, how, how they approached their, their work previously. So I was looking online just for information on how to, you know, increase employee engagement in, in the workplace, how to really benefit the employees and make it, you know, a great company culture. And then I just kind of stumbled on the Gallup survey that showed how, you know, how little engagement workers feel in their work. And that really resonated with me because of those conversations I, I, I had with, um, some coworkers with other people that I knew in the workplace. And so I was sitting down and I said, you know what? I know a lot of people are talking about like employee engagement these days and about how to engage their employees better. And so I wanted to take on the perspective of how employees can engage their work better because it's a, it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So you can tell, you know, and try to influence an employee to be 
more engaged on a number of different levels, but the employee doesn't want to be engaged, then the employee won't be engaged. So I, I kind of write this book in the perspective um, that allows an employee to see the benefits of engagement, not only in the workplace, but also in all other parts of his or her life. And so I think with the understanding of how powerful engagement is, not just in work, because a lot of people, if they're getting by in work and they're kind of finding the same thing day in and day out, they may not care about engaging their work better. But since the right. book talks about how they can engage their spouses, their family, their friends, their hobbies and their passions outside of work, how they can better engage those, I think it really allows you know, employees and just people in general an opportunity to see how they can better engage their, their lives. So I really came with the perspective of the book to impact people and show them how they can, if they want to improve their work life, then they can focus on the parts of the book that talk about that. If they want to improve their relationship with their family and friends, then they can look at the, you know, social life component of the book and, and work on that. So the real, the really backstory behind the story is that I just want to, you know, I want to engage other people with, with my writing and with my vision. And then I want them to be able to exercise it in their own life. So that's, that, that's my goal. Um, I'm really excited in the next couple of months, it'll be released, published. And to my understanding, really the kind of tough part of the book process is to develop a marketing channel, a sales channel, a sales funnel to get your book out there. So, you know, I love the opportunity to be here on your, on your podcast to, talk about it a little bit and hope it you know gives value to the to the listeners i'm sure it will tell us please by when should we expect it to be out so by um by late april or early may of this year 2019 i'm actually finishing the second draft of the process right now and then once i have that finalized i'll be able to have the have the cover have everything good to go there and then i'll have it self-published on on amazon so it should be within the next couple months Awesome. Um, listen, I have a curiosity. You, you keep on talking about engagement and um, you're saying that, that people need to be engaged in all sectors of their lives. Um, but if anyone can, you know, try to engage them, but if they want to get engaged, they will not. Does this have to do anything with accountability? What, what's, your, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, so great, great segue. So in, so throughout the book, I kind of identify a few important, um, I guess, traits, so a few important concepts that kind of go along with engagement. And some of them are ownership, like we, like we talked about before, and then accountability as well. So in the book, I talk a lot about the importance of realigning your actions, your daily actions with your vision. So with that realignment is essentially an accountability measure. For instance, if your goal is to, you know, in my case, write a book and then every day to achieve that, write a thousand words or, you know, edit 500 words, something like that. If I miss a day, then, you know, I have to be accountable to myself and realign and say, hey, today I missed it. So then tomorrow either double it, double the output or to say, hey, you know, I, I, I missed that. Let's just move on and focus on the next task for, for tomorrow. So there's definitely what, what I like to call is realigning your actions with your vision and your mission throughout the book. Um, I definitely see that as the accountability measure because if you don't first hold your, you know, uh, have ownership and second hold yourself accountable, then you're not going to get anything done. So I, I think that's a, a very astute observation where, you know, a lot of times, 
is that you can try to have accountability systems, a support system with other people, and that's great, and it definitely adds value, but if you don't hold yourself accountable for your own actions and for your own mission in life, then you're not going to be able to accomplish what you set out to do initially. Awesome. And is this accountability belief that you, you carry with you right now coming in any way from your passion for fitness? I mean, is there anything linked between the two of them? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, so I, I would say I'm definitely engaged in fitness right now. Um, not necessarily just for fitness itself, but for its impact on one thing for, for work. So every day I, I hold myself accountable. I'm pretty consistent in my fitness goals and my fitness workouts, not only because it's fun and because I enjoy fitness, but because I know if I'm able to use fitness either as a stress relief or, you know, to, you know, put my energy to it, I realize more energy to put into my work. I realize create more creative juices to put into my work as well. So I would definitely say it is linked together. Being consistent in my daily workouts and fitness goals transfers to me being consistent in what I want to do with my book and what I want to do with my work. And it's a, you know, it's a perfect understanding of how, you know, being engaged in fitness and my, you know, day-to-day thinking for that, how it translates over to how I approach work and how, how do I approach relationships. So that's a perfect point of how being engaged in one part of your life can transfer to other parts of your life and, you know, allow you to leave a much more integrated lifestyle. So I would definitely say that plays a crucial role in helping me stay accountable, stay consistent, and helping me show up, whether it's show up to the gym or show up to the office in order to bring my best self to work or to play or to, you know, the, the gym for that day. Okay, and what about consistency? Because I feel that everything you do besides accountability has a lot to do with consistency. But here I want, uh, I want you to additionally tell us a bit about the content that you're putting out there every day, like videos or, or articles or something, because I've seen um, most of them and they're very inspiring and I can blame you for, you know, actually... Uh, taking the toughest challenge of my life, which was to um, to make my first ever elevator pitch, but I loved it because I got the chance to, you know, be impacted by your actions and stretch my comfort zone. Um, so, how do you, you know, how do you go about your um, the consistency of your of your content? Yeah, great question. So, definitely on on LinkedIn. There are times where I would be very consistent, and then for a few weeks, I would just not post anything, and then I'd be really consistent, and then not post anything. And you can see kind of with likes, comments, or like the kind of vanity metrics of LinkedIn, if you will, like with how many people have viewed your profile, you can see it spike during the times I was consistent, and then it would keep spiked about a week after because, you know, the you know kind of after effect of it, and then it would drop down like really significantly when I had no content out there. So I kind of realized that it's about managing expectations and you don't necessarily need to put something out content wise every day or every couple days. It's more important to be consistent in how you manage your expectations with your audience. So if you're someone who naturally posts, you know, twice a week or once every week, just make sure to be consistent with that. Um, but for, for me, how, like how I'm, I, I guess how I'm consistent with my content is that I've kind of found a little niche where I'm able to integrate fitness, integrate, different fitness things that I do into both business concepts and a personal development concepts. 
So um, every day if I'm at the gym, um, I'm nor normally doing something that makes me reflect on how I can apply it to business or to life. So if I'm doing a heavy lift um, and I'm struggling with it and I failed the lift a couple times and then after I rest, I'm able to hit the lift, that makes you think of, hey, there's a few times in life where you need to fail, fail, you need to keep going in order to kind of push through your barrier. So that'll make me make the connection. I can video whatever lift that I'm doing and then I can put it on to, to LinkedIn. So I have different things like that, just different things in the gym that inspire me. I, I guess the gym is kind of my creative space where my creative energies flow. So I'm able to get content ideas from there and then I'm able to put it on to LinkedIn. So it, it really is just like you said, it's both being consistent and it's managing expectations, not just with your audience, but with yourself. So I don't, I don't want to just go to the gym or, you know, post, you know, do any, you know, face-to-face -face video where I'm not genuine, I'm not sincere, and I'm not feeling passionate about what I'm doing. So I'd, I'd rather put quality content out there. And sometimes if that means that I go a couple days without posting because I just don't feel inspired, that's fine. I can just say, you know, for, for the day, I can just put a quote that, you know, from someone that's inspired me and say, hey, I'm not... You know, not feeling you know extremely inspired today, but this quote really made me think of this. So I can always repurpose content, and if I don't feel like creating it, I can definitely curate it um, for a couple of days and then get back to my my flow. So it's just people people understand that you're not going to be inspired 100 percent of the time, sure, and that's sure. okay. We we talked about it earlier. Just be authentic, be genuine, and when you feel like producing quality content, produce it and go ahead and share it. Right. That, that would have been one of my next questions if you post, uh, you know, on a daily basis or, you know, if you feel compelled in any way to post on a daily basis or whatever or on a, I don't know, on a schedule that you make or if you just go with the flow and just post whenever you feel. But you just answered when you said um, about quality. And I also love the fact that you mentioned that the fitness um, the fitness uh, area is is your inspiration um plus you also mentioned a few words that are very dear to me but the most important syntax that you mentioned was self-development tell us a bit how did you come to the realization that you need a balance in your life what was the trigger um of you going out there and seek to for yourself and you know start your self-development self-development journey yeah that's that's a great question so i'm i'm, I'm just for context I'm, I'm 26 right now so i recently graduated from um the U university of florida here in the states with my master's in business um before that i graduated with my undergraduate degree from from the same school and then i was in you know high school so for me kind of growing up and into high school and into my undergraduate experience at college, I had really bad social anxiety. So I would stay away from people. I wouldn't hang out with them. I kind of closed myself off to everyone and everything. So I had just, I was really anxious, really worried and really insecure about myself. And then finally during my master's studies where I was at school for two years, I have no idea what happened, but I kind of flipped the script in my mind, I started hanging out with people. I started to go to different professional development seminars that were held by my, by my master's program. And I really found a genuine love for other people and for being in community with them. So, okay, but, Sorry, but what sparked that specific switch? Yes. Yeah, that's, the, that's the thing is that I can't really identify a specific switch. 
I just, I, I really think it was, I had spent so long focusing on academics or focusing on, you know, something with myself that I closed myself off to everyone and everything. And I think maybe what a trigger, what a trigger was, was that after I graduated from my undergraduate program, I worked in, I worked in property management for a year. I was by myself for the entire year. I, I did not like what I was doing. And so for that entire year, I was miserable. And I think probably after that year, when I decided to apply for the master's in business program and I got in, I think over the next couple of months before I started to go, to go back to school, in my mind, I think I was reflecting and saying, you know what, I really hated this last year of my life. And I really didn't like my undergraduate or my high school experience that much. Why is that? And then I broke it down and said, because I was socially anxious. I couldn't relate to other people. I didn't enjoy being with others. And then so one goal, I, I do re remember one goal that I had in the MBA program. I was like, this is a fresh start for you. Nobody knows who you are. You can be the type of person that you want. And the type of person I wanted to be was someone who is more energetic, more sociable, more likable. Hmm. And what was great about the MBA program is that in the first month, they make you go to a lot of different seminars, a lot of different events. So I was forced to be in community with, you know, my 30 or 40 classmates. And it's something that I wouldn't have done by myself. It's something that my environment made me do. But with that, I really found that I enjoyed being with people and I kind of fell into my own and really, you know, transferred from being socially anxious and nervous to being excited about social events. So I think it was a combination, one of me reflecting on what had what I had been missing and wanting to kind of fill that void. And second, it was really just luck in the draw and that my environment for that month or two forced me to really overcome that social anxiety issue to be with other people. And then after that first month or two, after that initial momentum, I was fine with, you know, reaching out to people and hanging out with them because I realized what I had been missing for so many years. So I think it was a combination of internal reflection and of the environment that I put myself in that really allowed me to overcome that, that social anxiety. Wow. That's, um, that's a switch that is hard to, to understand, right? It's hard to explain and things, something that, and some things simply don't have an answer, do they? Um, but I want to ask you something else. In, in addition to all this internal reflect, reflection and everything that you've been engaging with, uh, with your mates in um, the last years, um, was it any other practice that, that you adopted like meditation or anything else that that widened up your mind to, to new horizons, so to say, you know, us between writers. <laughs> yeah. So I, I it, it really wasn't any meditation. It, 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 it really wasn't. It's, it's interesting. I didn't really, I didn't really change any of, any, any of my behaviors or my approach to life on the day to day. I think it really was just a perspective shift from, I'm scared to being with people and scared to hang out with them too. I'm really enjoying hanging out with people. And this is the value that I add to them and the value that they add to me. Because for me personally, I'm very, my, one of my priorities with talking with anyone or being in community with others is to be of service to them and to add value to them. And I think it took me a while to understand that as long as I'm kind of confident in myself and I bring my best self, fully engaged to every conversation or to every 
you know, a vet or every, you know, hangout that I have with other people, that I'm naturally adding value to them by being myself. And they're adding value to me by being themselves. So I think it was a combination of just that slight perspective shift from I'm afraid of people to I love being around people. And second to, hey, I'm, I'm Kyle, I'm myself. I love writing, I love speaking, I love X, Y, and Z. This is the value that I naturally give to others, um, which helps with my self-confidence and helps in every interaction that I have with people. So I think those are really the, the two things that I kind of came with that have allowed me to transition from people are bad, ooh, to people are awesome, let's you know, do great things together. And what made you realize your self-worth? Because you talked about, I'm Kyle and I accept myself. I want to learn how you come to this stage because there's a lot of people out there who have issues in trusting themselves. They have, um, you know, probably at some point they, they, they didn't have the support they needed and they didn't have the environment to build um, that self-confidence, you know, just at least a ground for self-confidence and self-awareness. So what's your secret? How did you come to that? So I've, I've, been, I've been very blessed with an awesome mom who is a woman of faith, and she's really helped me in my mindset the last couple of years. Um, and one thing that she, that she says a lot, which is something that resonates with me, um, is that you are a child of God and a person of worth. So every time where I feel envious of someone else or I feel that I need to compare myself to others, I take a step back and I say, you are a child of God and therefore a person of worth. So it's not even about me. It's about God. It's about my faith. And if, you know, if God, you know, gave his life for me, then obviously I'm worth it. You know, you're a child of God, person of worth. And I'm not, that's not just me. That's everyone. So every person I meet, I have that same mentality. So I think for me that my self-worth doesn't come from myself. It comes from, for me, it comes from God being a person of character and value comes from him and my faith in him. So it's, it takes the, the emphasis off of me and my thoughts and puts it on serving God and, and serving others. So I think my self-worth really helped there. Me, hey, it doesn't matter what you do, what other people do. It doesn't matter comparing. You're always, in any circumstance, a child of God and a person of worth. So it's really whatever that is for you is being confident in your identity, anchoring yourself to your core identity, to your core values and beliefs that don't change based on circumstance or based on anyone else. And I think that's where, where you'll be able to find a really high level of self-worth. That's an amazing statement that you're a child of God, therefore a person of worth. That's, you know, such a simple phrase, but in the same time, it has so much power beyond it. You have such a wise mother. I mean, it's you're definitely fortunate to you know have had someone to encourage you in this way because at some point maybe even if you didn't realize it her by just voicing that and making this statement around you um subconsciously helped you build the ground for self-confidence as i said and and self-awareness um so you are really lucky indeed and thank you for sharing this this particular phrase with us today because I, I don't know. I think that's definitely a phrase of impact, so to say, you know, um, you said something else about, you know, about serving, serving people. Um, and I see this openness uh, 
of giving, you know, to other people. Uh, how do you see the fair report as in fair exchange? Do you believe in the concept of fair exchange? Or do you think that, um, you know, we can give whatever we want for free and then we will receive it in the end? What's your take on that? Yeah, interesting. Um, I've, it's, it's funny. One, one interview question that a lot of people like and something that I, that, that I don't like being asked is, you know, when you, you know, what do you, what do you want people to say about you, you know, at your funeral or something like that? I don't like those types of, I don't, I don't like those types of questions because I really don't, you know, it doesn't matter because I'm not there anymore to help others or to give to them. I don't care what other people say or think about me because I can't control any of that. Right. So I can only control what I can control. And so I don't worry about other people, you know, fair exchange. I don't worry about them, you know, giving back to me the same way that, that, that I give to them. I don't really focus on the end result or the outcome because with that, I would have expectations on everything that I give or everything that I do. So in order to kind of balance that mindset to have zero expectations and just to, you know, give out of, you know, my beliefs, just out of my heart, that makes me feel so fulfilled and so powerful already that I just want to keep giving, giving, giving. If I receive it from them or from someone else in the future, I am so grateful for it. But those are things that I can't control and therefore I don't even think about them or worry about them. I just keep focusing on what I can do to give, give and give. And it was, I think it was Gandhi who said, you know, lose yourself in the service to others. So that's something that I try to embody every day is just give, give and give. And just the act of giving alone gives me so much more enjoyment than receiving ever has and it ever will. So, you know, volunteering either at some, um, at like 5K races, just telling people, giving people water or, you know, going to homeless shelters and just helping give people food, stuff like that. I don't expect any, you know, visible return from that. But just giving me, it allows me to be in community with others and to be of service to them. Like I said before, I'm really driven to be of use to other people. So just being in those environments, doing those things and giving makes me feel so much joy that I don't even worry about. I don't even need a return because the return has already been the act of giving itself. I know that's kind of counterintuitive, but that's how, that's how I view it. I like how it sounds. The act of giving is already the you know, kind of the payment in itself. You know, there's a lot of reward in the act of giving. That's for sure. And at some point I wrote an article um, about, about this the exact thing, you know, just the act of giving in itself and how we should, um, we should just give to the others without waiting for the, for the coin to flip. So I'm very happy that we resonate. And now, once again, I understand exactly why we're having this conversation um, over, over the show, you know, because we're definitely on the same page and I'm really happy to, to be interacting with you. And especially to have a fellow writer is the first time that I'm having someone um, from, you know, the same, the same industry, so to say, in, in the show. Um, so I'm, I'm honored that you accepted my invitation for today. Um, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that I would, I would like to ask you, but they just keep on slipping my mind. <laughs> so, um, so then just, you know, just tell us what, what do you have behind, besides the book? What's, um, you know, what's on your agenda for the future? Or is it that you are living in the moment? Because you mentioned that at some point, you know, 
in another in another format in another phrasing but uh, i caught the point that you're living in the moment however what do you have further on for you know the upcoming future yeah great question so i'm i'm working on, on a couple of projects right now so the, the the book is definitely the priority um, i'm also working on similar to my motivation mission ebook um, i'm creating a kind of an, an, another testimonial format ebook um, that'll last about another month or so. Um, it's a little bit different in that it's not, it's, you know, kind of has quotes that, that, that I come up with myself and then it has different testimonials. So it's very similar to what I had before, but it's different in that it kind of has some of my own quotes and, and it's a different perspective. Um, second, I'm working on developing kind of a fitness ebook where it's for, people who are on the go for people who are really busy and may only have five or 10 minutes every day to, um, to actually work out. So it has a, an approach for it and really specific workouts to help travelers or really busy, you know, busy business people or just people who are busy in general to really, you know, f fulfill that part, part of their lives. Um, and then I'm working on um, hopefully the ideas of maybe a, a secondary book after, after I release my book on, on engagement. I'm not exactly sure what that book will look like. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so I'm still focused a lot right now on my projects in the creative space and inspiring others through daily testimonials, through fitness, and then just continuing um, putting out fitness content on, on LinkedIn. So that's, that's what I've kind of got in store, and I'm really excited to keep working on those and uh, hopefully impact as, you know, as many people as I can with them. Awesome. Let me ask you, do you, uh, when you say testimonials, uh, are you referring to daily, uh, you know, statements of empowerment? Yes. Yes. So it'll like each one has a vague daily statement of empowerment and then it has an explanation underneath. Um, the focus on, on, on this one specifically is I give some context and some good insights but then I also ask like two or three questions every day for the person to read and for them to reflect on. So it's a little more interactive than my last ebook. That's awesome. That's awesome because questions really drive uh, very, very good results. Um, maybe you should, maybe you should think about putting those questions and this structure in some other material too. Just, you like know, that. that's just um, an idea. And I think that it would help. Um, but it's, it's amazing, you know. So much positivity in this episode that I'm amazed. I mean, you're very, um, you know, energetic and your vibe is so good. And I'm very happy to, to have this opportunity to, to talk to you today. Um, is there anything that you'd like to send out as a special message to the listeners in this moment? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know where I read this or heard this from, but uh, my main message would be, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, I like um, this too. <laughs> so when I, yeah, so when I, when I say that, I mean, you know, um, it's okay to, you know, not be where you think you should be. It's okay if you're in a rut or, you know, it is not where you want to be in life as a 26 year old recent, you know, college graduate. I still find myself constantly questioning, you know, why I'm here on this earth, what value I can offer and, you know, what I should do with myself. And what I've really gathered is that I have, you know, I still, you know, confront a lot of these doubts and a lot of these internal struggles, but I've gotten okay with it because it allows me to question myself. It allows me to 
realign my actions and really find out what I prioritize and what's important to me. Um, a lot of people, they don't want to show negative emotions. They don't want to, you know, reveal their struggles on social media. Mm -hmm. I, you know, on the other hand, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, I'm happy with showing failure, whether it's failed lists for fitness or if it's something that I'm, that I'm struggling with, you know, personally, because those allow me to connect with other people because we're all human, right? We're all, you know, all have humanness and we all can relate to each other with our struggles. So it's when you're okay with not being okay, you build resilience, you build confidence in yourself to where, you know, when things get a little bit better and you get, you know, back on your feet a, a, a little bit better is that the things are just that much sweeter. So I've really enjoyed being uncomfortable. So extending past my comfort zone and I've actually enjoyed, you know, kind of failing, whether it's with, you know, a prior book release or if it's, you know, something else, I've really enjoyed the process of getting better and cultivating myself and getting stronger. So if I were to kind of leave your, you know, the listeners with one thing, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And you can reach out to other people when you're not okay. I've reached out to so many people, whether they're close friends or just people on LinkedIn, I've shared my struggles with them and they've been completely supportive because like I said before, everyone has their own struggles so people can relate to it. You're not going to see those as the main things on LinkedIn or the main things on Instagram. We're seeing a lot of people now, whether on LinkedIn or Instagram, who are being more comfortable sharing those things. So yeah, it's okay to not be okay. And when you're not okay, reach out to others. You know, other people are not, you know, are not okay. And they're able to, you know, kind of build themselves back up from it as well. I can definitely relate to that because last summer I was, you know, I had um, this period that I was depressed uh, and then I just, you know, I shot myself for a month or so. And then I just came to LinkedIn family and I posted a video in which I said that, you know, I've, I've been talking to people behind the scenes, but just a few, one or two people. Um, and then the reactions that I got to that video in which I look an actual trash, to be honest, but the reactions were priceless because actually people were there to support. So I, I definitely relate and I couldn't agree more with you on, on the support thing. And especially um, when people see struggles, it's like they're, they're more eager to help than when they see just uh, positivity all around. Uh, so this with it's okay not, not to be okay, it's, it's another strong statement from you. Um, I know that I've seen it some, somewhere else, but I can't recall um, you know, the author either. Um, but I think it's a great message to leave the listeners with. So thanks again for, for joining me today, uh, Kyle. I, think, I hope that we're going to have you know, another conversation and keep in touch. Um, and I wish you all the success with your books and with all the ende endeavors that you're going to be um, you know, having ahead of you. And it's, um, again, it's a great pleasure and I wish you a great day ahead. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Sure. Anytime. Bye. Bye.